Hey Andrew. <sighs> Greg. Yeah. This is the sound of me breaking my rule of not drinking during the week <laughs> and pouring a glass of scotch. Because not just any scotch, Glen Live the 18 year. Oh, wow. <laughs> I bring it out for special occasions. Yeah. Great. And this special occasion is what the fuck, dude? <laughs> so I take it that you watched uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion episode 25 and 26. I did. Okay. Um, and we're going to do some quick, quick kind of brain dumps here because um, there is there is the other ending. And I think that eventually we'll want to kind of talk about them together. But I want to hear your reactions to the original broadcast ending before we go any further and 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 with 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 you still having 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 not seen um uh the end of evangelion the movie uh, uh, <laughs> i wrote one sentence for my uh-huh, notes uh-huh, uh-huh. it was a question and it was did this guy just animate his therapy sessions um yeah kind of <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, um, y- yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, the uh, there's a popular reading of this series. I remember a couple episodes back we talked about how um, the creator, while working through the series and doing some research on character motivations for Ray, did you know stumbled a- a- across uh, and a description of clinical depression realized that's what he had <laughs> and kind of in the middle of making the series kind of had this huge breakthrough about his own mental state. And, um, the, uh, the, that reading says that this ending is about, um, a character, uh, breaking through their depression and, and, um, and reorienting their perspective, um, to not be so uh, self-loathing and depressed. In this show about giant robots. Yeah. So when the when 25 started rolling and started getting through it, I'm like, okay, so like maybe this will be sort of this foray into this larger point about depression and self-loathing and, you know, and then the last episode will be like the wrap up, you know, like the we'll kind of get out of Shinji's head and actually like see some giant robots and no. Nope. No, no. Uh, I was almost right about my prediction about this being a different anime. Yeah, they go there. That's why I, I laughed like, so hard when you started saying that. I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" Because they definitely do that. I thought it was gonna end because that, that was towards the end of the episode. And I was like, "Is this was just all just like a dream or something?" Like, but that's not. I mean, I so <sighs> so that alternate. So so the weird thing is that alternate reality that he kind of imagines or slips into or what have you, where he gets to live like a normal kind of teenage life or an interesting question of like is it a normal anime life or is that what he thinks of as a normal life because that's what normal life looks like in anime and he's a you know kid um but they actually took that world and made a spin-off i think two video games that take place in that version of the world and then an entire manga series uh that goes in in that um in that version of the world. And depending on who's translating it, it's either Neon Genesis Evangelion Iron Maiden or Neon Genesis Evangelion Steel Girlfriend. Uh, okay. I like Steel Girlfriend better. 
Um, but yeah, no. So so it actually does. There actually is an entire alternate like uh, media landscape that evolves out of these two episodes directly. So like, clearly, I have no idea what happened uh-huh. in this thing. Sure. Is there? Yeah, I don't question how to phrase this in the fan community. Mm-hmm. What is the basic understanding of what is going on in these two episodes in the context of the series not just this guy decided to sure really animate his what's the in-universe yes yes okay so um and the the on-screen text actually makes this explicit although i could see how it would be easy to miss there's a lot going on and a lot of stuff that just flashes and like we've been talking about with a lot of these kind of psychedelic you know, journey into the mind things. It's sometimes tough to know of everything you're seeing and hearing what's relevant. Um, But what you're watching is this is instrumentality. Um, This is uh, human. The human instrumentality project is to achieve instrumentality, which apparently is all of humanity merging into a single consciousness, a single soul, a single being. Um, And so what we see is uh, the personalities of Asuka, Shinji, Rei, and Misato all kind of uh, meeting in this combined state and kind of negotiating their own emotions together. And um, some emotional journey for Shinji towards... Um, essentially opening himself up, uh, to that. Okay, how? (laughs) What do you mean, how? Like, the last episode, it ended after Shinji killed sexy boy, Karu. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we're just into the dream sequence in this. Yeah. And there's really no, like, explanation of, like, okay, this is what Gendo's been working towards the Human Instant Charlie Project, like, what what did he do? Trigger this? What, what did big he red do? button did he press? Yeah. Well, like, um, what's the point of this goddamn show? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah. So the episode does certainly does not show you the mechanism for in, for for instrumentality to begin. Um, it doesn't tell you when or how. Um, it's just happening. Um, there are a cu- you do get a couple glimpses of the outside world. Um, you know in various kind of montage moments, you definitely see Misato, like, shot to death in a hallway. And also Risco dead in a pool of water. Risco floating in a pool of the of the orange goop, shot in the back. Um, you see Unit 2 and Asuka, like, underwater in a fetal somewhere. position underwater. Um, but it's hard to tell if those were, like, the real world or just, like, more yeah. dream sequence. Real yeah. alternate. Reality yeah. alternatives now. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Everything you're feeling right now um, is absolutely what uh, most of the Evangelion fan community was feeling um, here in the spring of 1996. So much so that they uh, vandalized the Gainax offices and (laughs) sent Anno a bunch of death threats. And it was a big fucking deal. (laughs) Um, So just about a year later, they release... The end of Evangelion, theatrical release, um, expanded, alternate, unclear uh, version of the ending that um, does give some more mechanistic um, explanation. 
But no, you definitely did not miss the big questions of like, so how did we get here? <laughs> like, what happened between the end of episode 24 and the start of episode 25? It's entirely unclear. Okay. <laughs> Which is a baffling choice. Like, I, I really like, I stopped it and was like, did I miss an episode? Oh, like, for sure. It's, uh... it's baffling. Because what you really expect is... Because this show is set up like, oh, here are the circumstances under which a character is going to go through an inner journey like this, right? We've seen it a couple times. Yeah. They, he falls into the black hole pit thing, or he, or Asuka gets shot with a mind ray, or Ray gets, you know, veinified by the laser snake. Like, we've seen this happen before, and, and it's generally prompted by some external stimulus. And then they confront whatever issue they're going to confront. And then we go back to the outside world. But we don't get any of that here. Um, it, it is patently absurd. So, and I feel like I, you know, when you describe the Humanist Fraternity Project, like, I feel like, you ever like when you were in school mm -hmm. and you're taking a test and it's like, define blank. And you're like, yeah, I can put the words on paper, <laughs> like with the textbook set. But I don't know what it means. Like, I don't know what, what it means, how it works, like... I don't even know, did, what did he, what did Shinji decide? Like, cause it said like, oh, he's going to decide between a single consciousness or not. I imagine that his breakthrough was supposed to be a positive thing that was saying no. But then again, like, once again, what Gendo wanted, like, why does Gendo want the human astronomy project to happen? Why is Shinji the key? Like all these questions that. So, right. So, so Shinji is given some kind of choice. To either basically accept instrumentality and accept the merging of everyone into one being, or to reject instrumentality and basically declare his individuality and stop the process, maybe. Um, and my feeling is that that is somehow, uh, somehow part of the interference of Kaoru. That somehow in his final act, he positioned Shinji as the final decider on instrumentality instead of Gendo. Because if Gendo had had his way, instrumentality would have been finalized and he would have been reunited with Yui. Um, as a result of everyone merging, all the AT fields disappearing, which is the thing that separates different people. And everyone becomes one and now he's reunited with Yui and that's all he wanted apparently. Um... But Shinji, by going through this kind of journey through his depression and realizing that um, he doesn't have to define himself through what he thinks other people think of him and basically like asserting his own individuality and his own self-worth, he basically rejects it. And and then what? And then what? Yeah. And then what? <laughs> I, I just don't like. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're, yeah, this is kind of fucked up. <laughs> I just don't understand, like, what, like, what's the point of the Avas? What's the point of the angels? It just seems like none of this stuff, uh, like, at least at this point, before watching the end, like, doesn't seem like it played any role, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, it feels like there's some missing pieces here. I don't know. Yeah, so, so I'm with you. So I've, I've heard, um... I think it's it's the guy the the YouTube channel Folding Ideas. He's got a really good video essay on this, and 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 he argues that this ending is kind of perfect on its own. That it basically 
it, it subverts all the expectations of what this show is and what anime is. And it, um, it ends up being a critique of otaku culture. Um, because that's, that's another thing that, and this is, again, it's getting into apocrypha, but I'm just kind of making his point and the point others have made as well is that, um, uh, Studio Gainax, the people behind this, uh, started out as like DIY otaku, like fan anime makers. What's like, otaku? Uh, so an otaku is, uh, a Japanese idea for, um, like a super fan of anime or video games. It carries along with it some certain like connotations about being kind of emotionally stunted, um, shy, obsessive. Um, the one character whose name I'm forgetting, the, the, the kid with the video camera. Yeah. He's kind of an otaku for like military stuff. Gotcha. Like it's, it's, it's an idea, but, but that's how the creators of Evangelion started out, like making fan, like anime mashups to show it like fan anime conventions. Like they really started from the ground up and, um, uh, there's a reading of Evangelion that says the ending is really, you know, Hideaki Anno, the creator himself, like a recovering otaku telling other otakus like, Hey, you all have to get out of your own heads. You have to get out of the house. You have to go out and you have to go and actually enjoy real life. Like stop collecting anime body pillows. Yes. And like kiss a girl. Or yeah. Boy. <laughs> and, and go out there and like actually start having real relationships with people. Um, because that's what, you know, I realized that I was isolating myself and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so this reading says, oh, this is, this is great. This is a perfect ending. I disagree. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board for the fact that it is in some ways like thematically complete and it's subversive. But I think that it's subversive in a way that um, feels like a mistake. <laughs> like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's tricky when you want to play with things and there's always that line where like, oh, you're going to pull the rug out from your audience. Like, is a fine line of walking of like, this is a surprise versus I'm not sure what I'm looking at. Did I miss something? Um, and I would also say that this ending does not play by Evangelion's own rules. Like, I, I think that it needed something else to help us get to this point and connect the dots with all of the previous action a little bit more clearly in order yeah. to really feel like a payoff. I feel like conceptually, it's fine. Executionally, they screwed it up. I, yeah. Because I just don't think that they... They developed a language and a thematic through line and then kind of threw that away for what I feel like is a little bit of a sloppy and ham handed ending. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, you live in the weird, the world of the weird a lot more than I do I when it comes do. to <laughs> film and cinema and TV. Um, the closest feeling I've had to it, not so much in the execution, but more just in like, like the feeling I was getting while watching it was, did you see Annihilation? I did. Yeah. The end of that movie is weird. Yes, it is. And I liked it. Yes. Because I thought it was executed in a way that like left things like you kind of could put it together, but still was like, what exactly happened? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but not, but not in the way we were just like, what? Like I 
at this point, I think that's an interesting, like, take, and I could see, I could imagine an, an ending that does that, but is more successful executionally than this was, because I'm, I'm with you right now, because it, it took such a hard right turn that it, it just didn't even feel like the same show. Right. Um, and that's after realizing the show is kind of like two shows within one already. Well, yeah. And and just the fact that like, so again, to draw the parallel to Annihilation, like I really like that movie um, and it ramps up the weirdness and the strangeness so that the final confrontation with the alien, it's weird and it's not the ending you expected, but it gets there on its own terms and it gets there playing by its own rules and it works. And it's very weird and artsy and it's almost like a dance and not mm-hmm. like a big fight with an alien, you know? Um, but you get there in a way that you're like, yeah, it walked me to the point where this is not only thematically complete, but it doesn't feel like it's coming out of, you know, it doesn't feel like it's a different movie. Um, yeah. Whereas Evangelion, even like the show ends with, you know, it. If this show really is about Shinji's emotional journey and Shinji coming to grips with himself and his relationships with other people, he has this incredibly profound moment in episode 24 with Kaoru and, um, you know, dealing with the betrayal and then dealing with, you know, being forced to kill him and everything, all of that, and then to not have any of that have anything to do with episode 25. Like, I think we see his face in a, like, in a rapid-fire montage, like, once or twice, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't get any sense of how those events led into this and what impact that experience has on Shinji now, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, and that's one of the things that's frustrated is this episode almost pretends that the last, that the last couple episodes didn't happen because we don't really touch on any of it. It doesn't really matter. Um, Is it in 26 then when they talk more about, like, why did you kill Kaoru? Like, he was an enemy. He was... A little bit. Yeah. But it's really... But that really just feels more like... um, It almost feels like an afterthought. I I guess that's what it... I just... It feels like... It was definitely not the main thrust. Right. It does... So 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 we're not... We're not building on where we've been. It's just kind of like... And then here's this stuff. Um, And I also think it... It's hurt because I think if you're going to do a super left turn ending like this, um, you have to understand that like people are watching it closely, like to figure out what the fuck is going on. And if a lot of it is recycled footage and not even in a like a clip show kind of way, um, like literally just recycled footage with new dialogue. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, are you doing this because you couldn't afford to do any robot fights? (laughs) <laughs> and you ran out of money or time or something. Well, and then all like the, you know, they kind of like they change the animation style to different during different scenes. So I think it was cool. And like, yeah, I like those bits kind of you know, you're deconstructing their reality. So it kind of makes sense to go back to like storyboard style or like black and white or, you know, just doodles effectively. And then the scene where like, you know, he's floating in nothing and Gendo puts a floor down, you know, a ground down. Yes. Weird existential nonsense. Yeah. I kind of like that. You know, it's, it's all neat. Um, but yeah, like, so yeah. And one, so hmm. <laughs> it's tough to put together cause it's all just a bunch of stuff. Well, and then there's like, those like, there's like the pictures of like not animation. Yeah. Like they're like real pictures. I'm like, why is this in here? Like it reminds me of like when in like really like, like, 
lame like new metal videos they like splice in pictures of like historic atrocities or whatever just to like be edgy and it's like these weren't atrocities but just like why are you putting those in there like we've never seen that in the show prior to this point to your earlier point about like the language and the style like we haven't seen i don't know it just felt like maybe i'm just not seeing the symbolism in some of those no, things but well, like i don't think and i don't think those there was those were really supposed to be symbolic i think they were just supposed to be like mundane photographs of life in tokyo yeah um interspersed with other just kind of still life shots of but within the animation style of life in tokyo um and and that that's a very common thing in in anime um where you just cut away to you know just some something in the environment you know while dialogue is happening we're just going to see a shot of the sky through some trees it's you know Mm -hmm. but the fact that you're mixing in photographs i mean i feel like the message is when you by doing that you're asking the audience to start thinking about this as something bigger than the events contained in the television show right it's bringing in elements of the real world so it's asking you to think about larger real world implications which Mm -hmm. i get what you're trying to do but i just don't think it all lands yeah mechanic mechanistically i have an idea of what might have happened i'm thinking that maybe when shinji killed karu since that's sort of the last thing that happened Mm -hmm. that potentially in being something about being down in like terminal dogma that like he because we see pictures of when you know we see clips of like when he was dissolved into the eva Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if like that didn't happen again but even more so like and that's and then potentially if Something about, you know, they keep talking about the soul, right? Like merging of people's souls or hearts or whatever. You know, if Gendo then killed, you know, potentially trying to stop something or do something, Misato and Risco, and then uh, Asuka says she doesn't even remember launching mm-hmm. and somehow couldn't get that thing to move, but somehow it's in the middle of the ocean. Maybe she also dissolved, like had a really high sink rate and that high level, like dissolving sink rate merging with the Ava is and that we've seen their ability to penetrate AT fields. Maybe they have the ability to destroy AT fields altogether. And that's what started the instrumentality. Just um, a theory. Maybe we'll find out in the end, but maybe, um, that's my, that's my best guess. Uh, not that it seems to fucking matter at all, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm glad we had pen pen saying congratulations. Couldn't leave him out at the end. Um, <laughs> It was really, like, uh, off-putting when they're doing the, like, sitcom, you know, anime Mm -hmm. classroom stuff. Like, seeing Shinji not being Shinji was just, like, ugh. Yeah, he's kind of a normal anime boy. Yeah, and it's just, like, "Mm, that's not right. Like, that was, that, like, juxtaposition was, I think, well, like, it it was, like, more off-putting than I thought it would be. Um, Just to see him acting, which is, like, one of the boys, uh, for better or worse. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Boy, Greg, after this, I'm going to need something, like, super crunchy. What like, do you mean by crunchy? Like, I need something where, like, it's super complex, but in a mechanistic way where everything matters and there's all these things you can learn and you can, you know, if you're paying attention and, like, you can you can learn all the steps and all the mechanisms so everything works because I feel like I've been living in a world where the past few, like, this is obviously super, like, weird and non-mechanistic and you know, surreal in some ways. It's real slurpy as opposed to crunchy. I guess. And then, um, like the, the Robin Hobb books, like the magic is 
pretty like surreal and all about you know self and mm. the you know picture of self and like what that means and like you know I think there are mechanics underlying it, but it's very obscured by you know the characters' perspectives. Well, but didn't you just finish Little Hatred? Yes. I mean, Joe Abercrombie's crunchy as fuck. Not when it comes to the magic. Oh, we have it. It's also pretty. They don't use a lot of magic. No, that's what I mean, though. Like, whenever magic happens, you're just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. So I I just mean, like, I need in the in the more like sci fi fantasy, I need something that's like the world and how the world works and the extra stuff on top of people and relationships. Like, I need that to be just crunchy. You just want to go read some D&D manuals is what you want to do. (laughs) Maybe. But (laughs) I'm wondering, I think I might I've been thinking about maybe I got I'm going to try and finish Robin Hobbs stuff, but I'm thinking about trying to do like. The, the Expanse books, I forget what they're called, uh-huh. but because um, that's pretty hard sci-fi. Yes. And that no. might be helpful. I mean, if you really want some hard sci-fi, then, you know, um, and and Lucky's Ancillary series. Yeah, that might be a good option. Pretty too. hard. Um, but And just like even just like, you know, it's just in like, you know, Sabrina was like very, is a very like magic-y. It's a little more mechanistic, but still just like, ah, it's magic. Who cares? Like, I just I need I need my feet on the ground again, man. <laughs> well, your response here, I would say, is not um, not out of line. <laughs> I mean, um, what you're taking away from the broadcast ending is normal. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's certainly what enough people also experienced to make the people behind Evangelion to say, all right, let's take another crack at this. Or, depending on... Um, uh, um, Depending on your interpretation of the next of the, of the ending movie and um, its relationship to this ending, um, it could just be uh, the creator saying, well, you want a different ending? I'll give you a fucking different ending, you ungrateful piece of shit. Um, <laughs> that could be there is a way to interpret this next one that um, uh, is basically backlash of people for not liking the original ending. Um, but we can talk about that, too. But, um, yeah, so, so would you say this was not a satisfying ending to this <laughs> series? You'd be hard pressed to get me to say that. I mean, after hearing some of the commentary, like I see, I had a little more insight into like potentially what they were going for, which I had not pick up just not having the context for me. You know, I just couldn't see all that, but no, I mean, if that's, if that is your goal, you didn't meet it. Yeah. And there's a lot of things you could have done throughout this series to work towards that goal mm-hmm. in a way that would be consistent and like, you know, at least it have, have a payoff that's that's worth the time and the effort. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to go on a limb and say that, like, I I highly doubt that that the, the end is like a fuck you because, like, that stuff doesn't like get made. Like, I don't know, like. It's a lot of effort to put it to give a fuck you to the audience and then also to go back and try and do it a third time. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I think he's just like can't get out of his own fucking head, probably. I think and 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 maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. um, But I think that um, um, that the movie ending is 90 percent the ending they had in mind. The broadcast ending is the best they could do with the time and budget constraints that they ended up with at the end of the series. That's my, that's, that's my read on it because I think that the most reasonable reading of it is that 
um, the movie expands on this ending and basically tells you here's everything else that was going on while, you know, before, during, after the instrumentality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my read on it. And, and there's all kinds of arguments about how certain things don't line up and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I would my counter to that is this has never been a show that's really been like obsessive about it's getting the details right. Right. It's not necessarily the most internally consistent show. Yes. Um, and I also think that now assuming that the, um, rebuild films end on the path that they've been on, I think that they are also doing a better job of more cleanly telling the central story, um, than the show. I wouldn't necessarily say they're better, but I think that they're doing a better job of connecting the dots, um, at least in terms of just story beats and, and themes and stuff such. Um, hmm. um, and better robot fights, right? Mm, yes. Some <laughs> some real good robot fights. And like, um, you remember we were talking about, you know, when they were fighting the, the, the one in space and right through the spear and just like, ah, that was just so fucking cool looking. Yeah. Like, yeah, they know what was cool looking about that. (laughs) (laughs) They definitely are like, Hey, yeah, let's just, let's all of that, like weird pseudo Christian imagery. Let's just dial that all the way up. (laughs) Um, and like, just want to see some epic looking shit. We're going to do that. Um, yeah. Um, So anyway, so um, shall we shall we go watch the end? Let's watch the end of Evangelion, um, which for those of you who have been um, brave enough and uh, patient enough to get through it, through this with us. Um, we are at the end and you can watch the film The End of Evangelion on Netflix. It's only about 90 minutes. Um, and again, you don't need to watch the whole, like the death, rebirth, true thing. It's just a clip show. You don't need it. Skip it. No new content. Um, but if you haven't watched it already, pause this podcast and go watch it because we are going to watch it and then we're going to talk and we're going to edit these together. So it's just one thing. Um, so yeah. So again, if you have not yet watched the film version of the end of Evangelion, pause the podcast or go watch that shit and then we'll talk some more okay <laughs> i think you're gonna like it better there is at least one really good robot fight in it oh okay i promise me. there is a robot fight good and i promise that there are some things that were talked about before that sounded cool that they're gonna pay off on like um remember those mass-produced evangelion units oh yeah interesting yeah and we're gonna get closure for some of the other characters who you know i mean like i i personally as someone who you know over the course of the series like you know came to basically feel like asuka might be my favorite character in the show for her not to get any like real closure in these episodes i think is another reason why these are it is not a fucking perfect ending the way it is like they needed to you know do right by some of these other characters um you know, Misato deserves more of a goodbye than just some weird still shot of, I guess she got shot. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll get closure on all that stuff and there'll be a robot fight and um, maybe things will make more sense. Probably not. But Oh, man. <laughs> all right. Go watch it and then we'll talk. All right. Holy shit. The promo cards. There's like 30 of them. Like how many people worked on this movie? 
<laughs> like I was like, I was just looking at the clock, just like, are we another one? Really? I'm like, okay, this is gonna be the, no. Okay, another one. Okay, one more. <laughs> it's insane. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, so the movie is broken out into like two episodes: episode twenty-five apostrophe and episode twenty-six apostrophe. I had not noticed that, but okay. Yeah, it's weird. Um, um, so let's take them as um, um, take them as separate episodes because they're very different things. They are. Um, so let's 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 do that. So let's start with episode twenty-five apostrophe, which is certainly the more um, narrative <laughs> of the two. Correct. Um, um, and this is one that picks up directly after episode twenty-four of the broadcast. So Shinji has just killed Kaoru and is feeling super down about it and has just reached out to Misato about it and she doesn't exactly give him great advice so now here we are in uh the start of episode 25 apostrophe uh Shinji having not really been able to connect with Misato or Rei on this whole Kaoru issue goes to see Asuka in the hospital um yikes yeah she's comatose Um, he's completely despondent and, uh, is just trying to like kind of wake her up. Um, and in the process, uh, exposes her breasts and then, um, uh, proceeds to masturbate over her comatose, comatose semi-nude body. So that's how we're starting. (laughs) I, I was just like, what are we, what, like... First off, like, oh, they actually animated some, like, semi-realistic looking boobs. Interesting. Because uh, that has not been the case as far in the show. Just, like, weird, shapeless, yep. like, Barbie boobs. And then, but then I was like, okay, that's weird. And I thought he just, like, he was just standing there. I'm like, he's just, like, shocked. And then it's just, like, and they show, like, oh, God, like, his hand covered in goop. And I was just like, come on. Yeah. Like, what? Why? I'm like, dude, Shinji, what the fuck, man? Do you just have a sexual re- 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 reawakening with... You know, Karu, man, you're going to betray him like that? <sighs> well, yeah, that was a hell of a way to start an episode. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then he has a line um, where he's clearly ashamed of what he's just done. Um, and oofa doofa. So we mercifully cut away from that. <laughs> uh, we have some bit about... Misato, she is, you know, piecing together the final elements of the mystery. Um, Sila, the the big bad guys, are going to use Unit 1 in order to uh, initiate instrumentality, um, which we immediately get confirmed in the next scene. Gendo has his final conference call (laughs) with those guys. He's basically like, yeah, fuck y'all and your plan. I'm going to do this my own way. And then they're like, well, fuck you. Um, they say, great, this is important. Uh-huh. They say, death will be bestowed upon you. It's right. the best line of this fucking show, man. <laughs> <laughs> I literally rewound it and realized, I was like, yes, so metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
because I, I, re- I think there's earlier translations of it where it just where they respond to whatever he says about like, oh, death can never bring life. And like they say, like, well, then you deserve death or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's better. I don't know why this translation went with that one. Just no, no, like it's perfect. Tortured English. No, no, it's perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's it, is, it is very metal because it's it, it's clearly someone who's just they're just trying to force a rhyme. Yeah, <laughs> I got to get this to end in a ooh sound. And English isn't their first yeah. language. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so here's yes. Okay, go ahead. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Sure. But the biggest problem I had in this episode episodes. Hmm. Because this first episode is really cool in a lot of ways. Yes, it is. Uh, it's by far the coolest, ep- minus the visual the, minus the first, joke. first um, five minutes. Yeah. Uh, by far the coolest episode of this, if you call it an episode, of this whole show. Sure. Um, the animation stepped up. Everything's just better. Yep. Um, there's awesome fights, which we'll get to. But the thing I wanted, and I knew I wasn't going to get it. Well, we kind of got it. What I asked for a few episodes ago when you said, like, what do you want to see? What do you mm-hmm. want to understand? I just said, I, I just want to know at, in the last climax, I want to know all the pieces on the board and what their goals are. Mm-hmm. And I still don't get it because throughout this episode, Sila attacks Nerve Headquarters, the Geofront. Yes. With the remaining, uh, the mass produced, um, super weird fucking. Yeah. The mass produce Ava series, yeah. There's nine of them, I think. Yep. Um, because they want to trigger instrumentality. Instrumentality. They want to kill everybody and trigger instrumentality. Correct. Um. Yes. Well, instrumentality will kill everybody. Yes. In a in a, after a fashion. So then we know from the show and this episode that Gendo has been working towards instrumentality. Hmm. So why are these two people in conflict? So that's an interesting question. Um, it seems like there's a number of ways that instrumentality can go. And Gendo wants to be in control of it. It seems like, based on what happens to Shinji later on, my guess is that there there's a there ends up being a human in the driver's seat for instrumentality. And Gendo wanted to be in the driver's seat. Mm. Because he had his own way that would reunite him with Yui in a way that he wanted. But Shinji ends up in the driver's seat. Um, so, yeah, it's a little unclear exactly. Cause it, right, because Sila and Gendo seem to be trying to do their own thing. Or, right. or trying to do the same thing, like you, like you say. And then, and then to get even further ahead of it, it's like you, you have... And then after things happen, we'll get there. But just mm-hmm. while we're talking about this topic, I think it's important for the rest of this discussion because then gendo takes ray to terminal dogma and says like okay now it's your time and she's like falling apart which is really gross yeah um and she says no right okay so and so it's like now she has her own version of instrumental like and then she has her own and then shinji kind of says no but then yes and then like sila is happy at the end i just don't like I just don't understand what everyone wants. It seems like everyone wants instrumentality, and the end result of that is kind of all the same. Everyone turns to goop, so... Well, it <sighs> seems that way. It's unclear exactly what are the different paths instrumentality could take, but um, because the angels 
are all seemingly doing the same thing, right? They're trying, they were trying to get to Lilith in Terminal Dogma to merge Angel DNA slash Adam DNA with Lilith, which would initiate Third Impact and Instrumentality. Um, Gendo wanted to do Instrumentality his own way, which would supposedly reunite him with Yui in a way that he wanted. Cecilia wanted to do the same thing, but somehow wanted to be in control of it. So to me, there's something about whoever is kind of driving the instrumentality project has some control over how it ends. We see that Shinji basically gets his version of it at the end, which is kind of fucked up, but we'll get there. So what would Gendo's version be? We don't know. What would Sila's version have been? We don't know. What would the Angel's version have been? We don't know. Um, yeah. Right. So, and we'll get back to, you know, a beat by beat here. But yeah, my first big complaint, which really pulled this episode, pulled this ending down for me, was that besides just like the way bonker shit in the back half, but I just don't know the stakes. It's like, I don't know what happens if this person wins versus if this person wins. I don't even know who I'm supposed to be rooting for and why. And that's a really hard place to be as like a viewer, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think and I think that that's maybe part of part of this is that at this stage in the story, all the stakes are now entirely personal because Mm -hmm. it's really just about, you know, these these larger powers getting what they want. Who's the good guys? Who's the bad guys? Doesn't really matter. The world is ending. Um, So at this point, it's really more about, you know, the kind of psychological interpersonal things. But um, so Sila and Gendo break up for good. Yeah. And they send the JSSDF after Nerve. Um, In like a complete, like, just exterminate everybody. Yes. Not like take over the Evas, Avas, not take over the clans, just like kill everybody. That's your goal. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a, it's a tough watch. Yeah. Like it, it goes from like, it, it turns on you pretty quick. You're like, oh, cool. Look at all these tanks and rockets and like military guys doing military stuff. And then, oh, oh, they're just, oh no, they're just executing people. Yeah. Oh. And then like all the like, like the nerve, like, um, you know, like the headquarters guys are just like making their brave last stand, you know, and like hiding under the desks. And it's just rough. Yeah. So people, uh, people dragging their comrades and they're getting shot. It's just like, it's really brutal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just feels very doomed. Gendo basically says to Futsuke, like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. And Futsuke, like, all right, say hi to Yui for me. Um, uh, Misato sends Unit 2 and Asuka to the bottom of a lake, thinking that I'm going to protect the Ava pilots as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and wants to go get Shinji to get him to unit one, um, rescues him just in time with some badass spy moves that I didn't know she had. Yeah. Um, Shinji's just like a pile of mush at this point. Yes. Um, (laughs) yeah, he's completely despondent. Um, like she has to physically drag him along, um, because he's just feeling like I'm, I'm useless. I'm worthless. I can't do anything, whatever. I just want to die. I don't care. Um, which given the week he's had fair, um, um, then we get down to terminal dogma where there's like a weird naked Ray hanging out, looking at like her, like corpses in the big pool of LCL. Um, Gendo gets down there and, you know, 
starts talking about how it's time, but but Reese goes also there, and she's going to blow up the whole place, self-destruct to, you know, prevent third impact, but the Magi, like, prevent her self-destruct, which she interprets as her mother's, like, programming and the Magi choosing Gendo over her, but I don't necessarily think that's what happened there, but regardless... This gives Gendo a chance to get the drop on her. He pulls his gun. They have a conversation, which, for whatever reason, we don't get to hear. Yeah, I was confused by that. <laughs> she calls him a liar, and that's a serious rap on Ritsuko. <laughs> yeah. Boom, see ya. Uh, yep. Um, back to Misato and Shinji. She's, like, dragging him deeper into Nerve Headquarters, using all kinds of secret routes and whatnot. Uh, vaguely reminiscent of like episode one when she's bringing him there for the first time. Um, she gives a final info dump. Celo was behind second impact. Everything that's happening now is them just trying that again. Um, but this time using unit one instead of uh, Adam in Antarctica. Third impact instrumentality. Angels and humans are kind of the same thing. Uh, can't coexist. Mankind is the 18th angel. They're descended of Lilith. Blah, 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 blah. They're just about to escape into the elevator. She takes a bullet. They have a little heart to heart. She tells him to get your fucking shit together. He gives um, him a kiss. She gives him a kiss. Gives him a smooch. Weird, um, but okay. Uh, tells him that, like, like... She's going to sleep with him when all this is over, which I which for whatever reason, like wakes him up a little bit to get him in the elevator. He gets in the elevator. She gets exploded. Rap on Misato. Yeah. So, we know, we now know if we're going to combine the two endings, how those shots of Risco and Misato play into this. Yes. Um, he finally gets down to unit one, but it's like sealed in the Bakelite. So once again, Shinji's like. Well, fuck, even if I wanted to do any of this, I can't. Mm -hmm. My hopelessness is uh, absolute. Meanwhile. Yeah, meanwhile. Asuka's continuing to have a breakdown at the bottom of the ocean. Yep. But has a bit of a breakthrough. Yes. By realizing that her mother is an AT field or her, something. Her mother is her just like Yui's soul is in unit one. Um, Asuka's mother's soul is in unit two. Ah, okay. And is Adam in unit zero? It's unclear what soul is in unit is in unit zero. Okay. Might be Adam's soul, but Adam's soul is in Kaoru. Mm. Uh, unclear. Um, but um, uh, so she makes contact with her mother's soul, and then all of a sudden, uh, that gives her all the confidence she needs. She's able to resynchronize with the with the Ava. Um, and is ready to fucking wreck shop. Yeah, fuck shit up. <laughs> like, um, just, just destroys all the, uh, JSSDF things, takes a fucking missile to the face. I love that shot. Yeah, yeah. It's just this, so good. This scene was awesome. Like, this is what uh, I wanted the whole show to I be, told you, like this. I told you there was possibly the best fight scene in all of anime coming, and yeah. there it is. <laughs> she just, like, takes out nine fucking, uh... You know, of the, the Avas, like the Pratt Mass Bruce Avas that have yeah. like weird, like beak slash teeth faces and they're just like really grotesque and nasty. Yeah. It's a little unclear if there's people in there or not. I would assume there are, but they're, I don't know. They're all, it, it, it's a blink and you miss, you'll miss it, but they're all powered by, uh, cowroo dummy plugs. Oh, okay. Um, interesting. Okay. 
So, but she pre-direct them and, you know, she takes a bunch of damage and stuff, but she does it. And then they, something bad happens. <laughs> yes. Then they all come back to life. Yeah. In this scene of utter hopelessness. Um, and, and, uh, kill her. Yeah. Just jump and shred unit two to pieces. Yes. And presumably her as well. Uh, well, uh, her as well. And, and these are other details that are, are, you know, kind of tough to miss, but because she's so highly synchronized now, she's going to have the sympathetic injuries. Yeah. So her so eyes like gouged out. She, she loses an eye. And then in the final scene when it, you know, she's kind of like, you know, like reaching up um oh yeah to the sky then you see her arm get split in half Mm -hmm. um and they're like gouging on her insides like yes very like bird because they have like these weird angelic wings yes you like you said they stepped up the uh weird christian symbolism in this oh yeah to the 10th power yes indeed yeah getting 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 deep into the esoterica getting even pre-christian getting kabbalah nonsense going on um so she gets killed. Um, Shinji hears about it over the intercom and is even like, even if, you know, he's just completely hopeless. But just as all that happens, Unit 1 wakes up, breaks out of the Bakelite, um, you know, grows this gigantic AT field, which like rips the top off, top off of Nerve HQ. It gets these big like laser wings and starts to float up into the sky, at which point... Uh, Shinji sees the um, just completely dismembered remains of Unit 2 um, and loses his mind. Yeah. And that's episode 25, apostrophe. And minus my complaints, I was sort of with it. You know, mm-hmm. like, I can set aside some of, like, the questions I had and be like, this is just, like, really entertaining. I'm seeing characters I know and understand a little bit, like, get into or not get out of situations that make sense. Um so I was like, man, we're like, we're going places. This is happening. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we watched 26 apostrophe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In which what the actual fuck happens okay. in this episode. All right. So um, in the broad strokes, what happens is Gendo tries his instrumentality plan. He is grafted. Remember back in like episode like seven or eight where Kaji brings back that, like, embryo thing. Mm -hmm. Gendo has grafted that into his right hand. That embryo thing is the body of Adam, um, and he, like, attempts to merge that with Rei, and that's his plan. By grabbing her boob. Yes, and then pushing his hand into her body. Yeah. And And her, like, arm is falling off, and this is because her AT field is weakening, the AT field being the thing that separates individuals. So um, he does that, um, attempting to merge Adam with Ray. Um, but uh, so that happens. Meanwhile, Sela is implementing their plan to uh, initiate instrumentality, which involves the nine mass-produced Avas doing some kind of space Kabbalah magic to crucify Unit One into a gigantic tree of life in the sky which is going to institute their version of it. Um, so meanwhile, now we're back down in Terminal, terminal Dogma. Um, Ray, knowing what's going on somehow, space magic, knowing what's going on up in the sky with Shinji, says no to Gendo's plan, um, and instead takes and goes and merges with Lilith, the big 
crucified mm-hmm. blubber monster. Um, so she is taking the the Adam DNA plus her DNA and her soul and merging it with Lilith's DNA and Lilith's soul if Lilith has one and maybe Adam's soul unclear, but whatever is happening creates this super weird Ray Lilith Kauru Adam hybrid thing that grows into this gigantic naked white ray which floats up into the upper atmosphere to commune with Shinji who is inside this other magical thing that's happening uh so at that point essentially she interrupts Sila's instrumentality thing and basically gives Shinji a choice um, and then things get all psychedelic and we're kind of back to where we were in broadcast 2526 land. It's a big internal journey for Shinji. At first, he goes through and he he sees all of the negative interactions with the people in his life, right? It's either he's either remembering things or he is um, imagining versions of events or he is um you know communing communing with them on some kind of spiritual level and he decides everybody sucks the world is pain i just wish everyone was dead and i wish i was dead too his wish is granted and instrumentality begins everyone on the planet because uh space ray emits the gigantic anti-at field every at field on the planet breaks down everyone is reverted to lcl and merges their souls begin to merge into uh the giant ray thing um and then once all of humanity is now one consciousness inside of this ray thing shinji changes his mind and says actually i liked it better when we were all separate individuals because then you could actually have experiences and when we're all here just one person like there's no real reality because uh, philosophy. <laughs> uh, um, so then he basically says, uh, I kind of want the old way back. Um, and then Space Ray basically says, okay. Unit one bursts back out into the real world. Space Ray collapses and disintegrates. And Except that big giant head. Yeah. Um, or half of it. It's <laughs> unclear. Um, uh, manages to spray blood across the moon. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then essentially it's when he's kind of communing with space Ray, it's the deal is that, you know, anyone can reconstitute themselves in back into the individuality and back into physical form if they like choose to. So we're back in the post-apocalyptic real world. Shinji has reconstituted himself on some beach somewhere. So has Asuka, all, um, but bearing like bandages based on the wounds she had in Unit 2. Um, when Shinji notices she's there, he tries to murder her until she like reaches up and touches his face, which gives him second thoughts. And then she tells him he's disgusting and roll credits. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. That's what happened. 
That is a description <laughs> of the events that occurred in this episode. And that's, for me, after a handful of watchings, plus a lot of reading and consulting, consulting YouTube video essays about it. That is what happened. So I miss that people were able to choose to reconstitute themselves. That was something that wasn't clear to me. Yes. So it's kind of followed everything, minus some of the, the specific details, but just like, you know, I knew I knew the rough strokes of what was going on. The why and how are very vague, but that's okay. Um, the ending, I was just like, because I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, yeah, he changed his mind. He didn't like it. Things are fucked, but at least we're all people, and that's just part of existence, right? Acknowledging that pain and, you know, it's part yep. of the human pain is part of the human experience yep a necessary part fine great i like that message and then it's just like and then just like and the way she said like i i don't know what why shinji wanted to kill asuka and then i thought that like she he did because like she puts it puts her arm up and touches him but then she kind of like drops it like people do when they die in mm-hmm. over dramatic ways but then she says like and maybe question if like did they reconstitute themselves like because she's like you're disgusting and it's like with, like, such vitriol, I was like, oh, my God. Like, what a way to end a fucking show, dude. Because at first I thought, like, oh, they're going for, like, a just a horse, like, you're disgusting. Like, in a playful way that, like, uh, you know, like, that's what she always said to him, right? Like, you're disgusting. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's not really how it came across to me. It was just, like, you're you're disgusting human being. It's just, like, gross. Uh, yeah, that was a lot. I will say one thing I liked in this, during this the Tribute to Dream sequence... They did that thing like they did in the broadcast where they kind of start showing like non, not to the extent, but like the, the real life shots, yeah, pictures and videos. And a lot of them are like, oh, these are just like the pictures he, they must have used as inspiration for a lot of like the draw, like still drawings, oh. like the power lines. And there's a couple that aren't, which is like people walking in crowds and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, but like the, also the weird like auditorium they're in that has the cross motif going uh-huh and then but like like there's a screen like the power lines and they hear the cicadas and like just a lot of stuff from the show so i was like oh that's i don't know why but it's it's cool so yeah so um some of the things that are um in those real life still shots some interesting things to point out one of them yes there are a lot of those still shots that are mirrors of other things we've seen in the show right these kind of you know just cutaways of various elements of urban life um one of them is it looks like it's shot from a train and it's looking at like a cityscape but they've cg'd in the architecture of tokyo 3 oh i hadn't noticed that yeah yeah um like the the buildings that go underground Mm. um and then some of the crowd shots, one in particular, it's like it's like a narrow street and you're kind of zooming in um, on three women with their backs to you. And it's and those three women are live action actors in Ray, Asuka and Misato costumes. That I noticed. I'm just okay. unclear if I was like not. I was just like, does it look like they're wearing wigs? Like and I was just confused. But and then I didn't know this. This had to be pointed out to me there's another shot which is basically the reverse of that closing in on three women but now they're out of the costumes and it's the voice actresses of those three characters so and then the theater shots are you know those are supposed to be like a movie theater 
and and this was originally released in theaters so i think it's pretty clear like those are intended to be like the it, it wants you to imagine the like yourself it it's trying to show you a mirror in yeah, you know what i mean yeah that i and picked the, up too and then the empty theater with the subtle cross motif in the so um there's all of that also naked lady yeah because <laughs> why not um and then there's also shots of the graffiti that was spray painted on the gynax offices after the broadcast oh. endings plus uh images of the actual like death threat emails they got um oh. so during that sequence they're clearly trying to talk about like what is the relationship between Evangelion fans, Evangelion creators, Evangelion characters, and the, what is the relationship between real life and the show? Like, that's clearly what they're trying to mash up in that. Mm-hmm. So, A subject of debate. Yeah, I mean, you could kind of loop it into the thing of just, like, examples to back up Shinji's, like, life is terrible, people are terrible, you know life is full of pain but then you know some of it's very beautiful and some of it's interesting and you know i think that's probably i could view it as being like you know much like life the creation of this work of art has had ups and downs and positive things and negative things and you know encourages this and that i also noticed that there was a big sort of like uh during the dream you know surreal experience it's very obvious that they're sort of at least to me thing about this a lot now is like they're talking about the cycle of abuse hmm. you know like gendo didn't know how to yes you know cope and deal with it therefore shinji does not know how to cope and deal with it and just like the cycle continues and in some ways shinji breaks that cycle because he has if we if we take the broadcast ending and he sort of comes to this like realization throughout it you know and kind of goes through this therapy session uh while turning everyone into goop um you know, that, like, he kind of comes out the other side a better person is going to break the cycle, which is which is cool. Muddled, but cool. Um, there, was yeah. a, there was a good thing I missed earlier, and I'm fucking, I'm, miss, I'm forgetting the context now, but I'm pretty sure it was one of the, um, it was when the, like, like you know, the people, I don't even know their names, but, like, they, like, work under Masato, or mm-hmm. they kind of work under anybody. They, like, just the people who, like, run the computers and stuff, yep. and they're, like, under fire, and somebody asks the one guy a question, like, what is this happening? Or why is this happening? The guy goes, how would I know? I'm like, yeah, damn straight, dude. How would anybody know? <laughs> so that made me laugh. So I was just like, yep, nope, nobody yep. knows. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? So I agree. I think the important thing here is the scene with Gendo where he has this kind of because there's this, this sequence where when everybody's getting gooped, where they kind of have their little like pre gooping moment where they like see a loved one or something yes um and when we have gendo's he's he has his moment both with yui and with shinji mm-hmm. you don't really see, you, you only see shinji's feet in it he's kind of observing it but anyway um where gendo basically says you know he basically says like yeah i because i was afraid of being hurt by people and being rejected i kept you know i kept everyone at bay and i regret that and like i see what that did to shinji um, because I was afraid of interacting with him. And like you say, there's a cycle there. And 
I also feel like in the animation style, like they made a point to draw out the physical similarities between Gendo and Shinji. Mm. It, it, like it just in like the way in their the, the, the subtle things and like just the shape of their face and stuff. You're like, okay, I'm getting it. Um, and that, you know, it, it's Shinji has a chance to undo it. And then, um, um, and I think that there's a there, so there is an interpretation of this, especially when we look at the the live action sequences in the middle and how it really seems to be drawing attention to the fans and the audience and what has transpired between the broadcast ending and the movie. And there's an interpretation of this that says the broadcast ending was the ending that Anno wanted, and the this ending is. Um, Anno's critique of his fans, um, basically saying all you dummies want is fan service and, um, you have objectified these, these female characters, um, and shame on you for doing that. And this version of Shinji, this just completely apathetic, useless, um, you know, nihilistic jerk that's you. That's the way I see you. You know, I give you this character of Asuka who, you know, I've created as this person with all of their pain and all of their um, pathos. And all you guys want to do is jack it to her. Um, and, um, and, and you guys are Shinji and, you know, you, um, you are so incapable of viewing Asuka as a person that then when I bring you back to life, just you and just Asuka, you try to murder her because you can't handle her being a person. Um, and while I think that's a interesting analysis and like a good critique of otaku culture, I don't know that that's really what Anna was getting at here because the actual like ending that, you know, the is is pretty much the same. Right. Shinji goes on the same emotional journey um, here that he does in episodes in the, in the broadcast episodes. Um, I think it's more Ano that like all the attention he's drawing to the real world and to the audience is him asking them to um, to apply the Shinji, the lesson Shinji learns to their own life. I, I think I think he wants, you know, he wants he's just trying to make that clearer. And we see a little bit of that in the broadcast episodes, too. It's, it, there's some still photography of the real world. And I think it's just it, it's just trying to persuade the audience to think about things, think about what is being presented on the screen in the context of the real world in their own life. That's what I think he's getting at there. I don't buy the whole interpretation that the movie is a middle finger to the people who didn't like the broadcast ending. Yeah, I that would require a, such amount of like pathos. I don't know, just like you'd have to be like, frankly, you'd have to be a genius and also sort of a mad scientist to do that. Because like <laughs> you can tell this was crafted with extreme care. Yes. And a lot of resources went into this. And I feel like, like you said, it, it lines up and there's a story here. And, and it, you know, if it was just a little bit of here, I just either that man is suffering from some extreme like split personality or bipolar disorder where, I mean, maybe he's embedded some criticism, like you said, into parts of it, but I don't think the whole thing is a criticism of, of this because it just seems like who would go to that amount of effort and well craft something so 
like like re- like reasonable like <laughs> i don't know like i think compared to everything else he's done i don't know i mean i do think that and and, and most of this this interpretation i think it, it's it's most clearly presented on youtube by the channel folding ideas um he 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 has a really good video essay about this that i think makes a compelling case for this and and he does talk about how um you know Ano, the creator, again, started out as like a heavy otaku, you know, basically built his career out of being a fanboy who made it to the big time. And if during the process of making Evangelion, he had a breakthrough in his own life about I have spent too much time in my fandom and in my own head, and I didn't really become a fully actualized person until I realized that and got out of it. And the ending of Evangelion is me offering that same, you know, kind of uh, life preserver to other otakus out there who might be dealing with the same stuff. I mean, it does make a certain amount of sense um, if you look at the the paratext, um, but um, I'm not sure if that's, again, I, I just think that I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's compelling, but as I watch it, I don't see as much of that as I see, um, the, the, what I think is, is the reality of, um, this was the, um, and, and there are, you know, these other sources that say like, yeah, this was the original scripts for episodes 25 and and 26. They were not able to produce the versions they wanted to under the budget and time constraints they had. One of the things I learned as I was researching this is that um, the way the show was produced was a little unusual in that um, rather than basically writing the entire series and then handing that off to the animators, they were writing they were writing an episode and then handing that episode off to the animators. So the story really was kind of being developed on the fly. Mm-hmm. And so the the idea that he has this kind of emotional breakthrough towards the end of the show and then events in the real world, you know, um, causing delays. And also they need to quickly retool some ideas because it's pretty close to some real world terrorist events, <laughs> um, you know, leading to they have to basically patch together broadcast 25 and 26 out of like s- literal storyboards and recycled footage Mm -hmm. so they had to cut a lot out like yeah that makes sense yeah yeah and then and then if i look at 25 and 26 you know the the movie endings and it seems like okay yeah no i can this this tracks you know like so i think that saying the entire purpose of the expanded movie ending was this rejection of the fans and this kind of non-canon ending. I just, it doesn't, that to me doesn't match Occam's razor of this is, this is just the, this is just the ending they wanted to shoot, but they ran out of time and money, you know? Yeah. I mean, I definitely that way. And like, even like I said, even if there is some of that criticism that's built in in layers, I don't think the sole purpose, it's not the primary purpose of this. Like he might've put in some stuff to basically get some jabs in, in a negative view or, you know, layer in some, some compelling and interesting symbolism and points in there, which I think is possible and likely, but I don't think the whole point of it was to, you know, give a middle finger because you give a middle finger to someone, that's just what you're going to do. Like you don't painstakingly craft your middle finger yeah. to, you know, and go, Ooh, I'm going to move this finger this way and put this a little bit like, you yeah. know, it just seems like 
No, I just and, don't buy it. And I think that if, if, if this ending was really this non-canon commentary, like I think it would have diverged more thematically and narratively from the others, right? Right. And it and would it have like not taken strides to make stuff fit. Yeah. Like yeah. the shots of Risco and Masato, like clearly it's telling the same story here. So, I mean, in my mind, these things are not different. They're just different perspectives, like yes. an ex- slightly expanded upon in a, in a way that makes sense where like if during Shinji's like, now I guess there's the stuff with Asuka, which is kind of interspliced, but doesn't have to happen in exact order. Like when Shinji has this big awakening, you know, through his cycle, like through this process, his internal process, when everyone's gooped, like that could have been a timeless moment. You know what I mean? Like there's so much could yeah. happen in that. There's no reason to be like, Oh, well, this happened out of order or different things right. happen. It's like, it's all everyone's goop. Like it's fine. Yeah. And he kind of, he kind of goes on the same journey. And if you say, look, this was the rough draft ending they did because they had to, they had deadlines and they had constraints. They say, okay. And then if they had all the time and money they wanted, here's what they did. It's like, yeah, it's the same basic thing. Um, there's gotta be like a fan supercut, right? I don't know. I mean, it's fucking annoying as hell with all the fucking quick cuts and weird scenes and whatever to find a way to make it all fit together. But there's like, there's gotta be my, my personal feeling is, you know, if I was telling somebody else, you know, how to watch this, I would say skip broadcast and just watch the, just watch the movie ending. To me, it's the true ending. I don't think the broadcast ending really adds anything outside of the academic, like, Hey, this is neat. Um, this is what they tried to do, but they, you know, because there were all these constraints as opposed to just being like, no, just watch the, you know, um, yeah, I'm going to disagree. I think, really? I think that, I think I was just watching end first, but I think there's, I think the broadcast does a better job. It's still, it's like, it's too long yeah. and it's redundant and repetitive, but I felt Shinji's like, and probably the creator's like, uh, mental like pathway. Yeah you know, point by point, a lot more in the broadcast than I did in, in end. Interesting. And I was, and then even, especially cause I was looking for it. I was like, okay, I kind of know the broad strokes. I kind of got what was going on there. Like, Oh, there's going to fill everything around it. And then Shinji's weird, whatever goopy times has like, you know, is basically the broadcast ending. And even while looking for it and kind of looking for, okay, when's the point where he's going to turn? And like, I just didn't feel like it felt as cohesive to me. So I kind of hmm. feel like you could probably, what I would actually do is probably pull out a big chunk of, Happy time, Goopy Land, like from the end and stuff in more from the broadcast. Yeah. And then, like, and then like also the, the broadcast, like did some, like you said, did some mechanically cool things like, you know, the different animation styles and, and some of that stuff, I think actually like was good symbolically. I agree. I agree. Um, and I think that the um, the kind of the alternate universe, I think is cool. Yeah. And a neat, a neat idea of, you know, um, some of the ideas. So I think you're right. Yeah. I think, I think there is the perfect ending is somewhere in between these two. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I feel like you do need to walk through Shinji's emotional journey, but I also feel like, um, knowing what's going on in the outside world is helpful too. And I also think that the final scene when we're back in the physical world, the post instrumentality scene, I think is pretty important because the broadcast ending, it, it it has such this hopeful tone at the end, which actually I think undercuts some of the theme, right? Because the whole the, the, the whole theme of the show is kind of wrapped up and it, the, in like episode five or six, they talk about the hedgehog's dilemma, which is this philosophical idea that hedgehogs 
Um, they want to be close to each other for warmth, but they're spiky, so they can only get so close to each other. Um, and so it's, do they want to be close to each other and hurt, or do they want to be far apart from each other and cold? And the, oh, that's, that's humans. Boy, what a, what a fantastic metaphor. Um, that, you know, in order to connect with each other and have those experiences, we end up hurting each other. And that's, that's what we're talking about in Evangelion. Um, but with the end, the broadcast ending is like, it's almost like Shinji somehow cracks the code. Oh, and, and, you know, I can, you know, I'd rather have all my friends be individuals, even if it means I'm going to get hurt. And everybody's like, yay, great. And roll credits. But it kind of, it kind of yada yada is the whole, but we're still going to hurt each other part. Right? Yeah. Whereas this, when you get that final scene of them on the beach, um, it's like, no, right. That was the deal. You get to be individuals again, but you're still going to try to hurt each other so that when they get out, he's trying to physically hurt her because he he somehow thinks that's something, you know, for whatever reason, because now he's he's out of the goop and he's a less perfect individual now. Right. Yeah. And I mean, she's out of the goop, too. I think they could have done that better. Like, I don't like the jumping to trying to kill her seems like a really strange. Yeah, like it, it does. Just didn't, it didn't like. It didn't make sense to me, and, and that really sort of for that for me, like it didn't stick the ending at all. Because I was just like, "What?" Like it was so just like strange, and I don't know. It just like didn't fit for me. Um, I think that I think you're right. I think that oh god, there's just so many ways it could have been <laughs> handled in a slightly like better way. I just feel like if this is the meaning of to move on a little bit more into like the show as a whole, this a whole experience, this project. <sighs> I'm really curious to watch the rebuilds because I feel like <laughs> you can see like, okay, I get the broad strokes of this, you know, the symbolism and, and the themes and, and like what they're trying to talk about overall. Mm-hmm. But like, boy, does it do a shitty ass job of it. <laughs> like, there's so many opportunities for the, sh- for the show throughout it to like start building things up. And one thing this, the movie did quite well which is something I look for is to use, especially in a TV show, use the pieces that have been laid out throughout the season. And those pieces can be characters, plot machinations, you know, interactions, what have you to, to build together, to make the end, you know, mm-hmm. like mechanistically again, it's like, you know, they've got the, you know, they've got Sila and they've got the Avas and they've got the Ma- the Magi and like, you know, the characters we know are doing the things they're good at. There's a super spy and a scientist, you know, like all these things that they're doing that like fit together pretty well, minus, you know, the confusion of like what people actually want. Um, so I just feel like if this goal of the show is to show, demonstrate the cycle of abuse and to demonstrate, you know, the hedgehog dilemma, I just think they could have like, from the get-go, like, done a much better job. I'm not asking to be, like, beat over the head with them. Just, like, using points and scenes to, like, just more straightforwardly demonstrate it. It just feels like the people in this show are kind of, like, made of popsicle sticks. And they kind of just, like, meander around and bump into each other in scenes. Almost reminiscent of, like, watching The Room, where it's, like, the best description ever is, like, if a bunch of deer are watching people through a window <laughs> and they have to make a movie of what people are like. That's what the show feels like sometimes. Like, people don't, like... If you're trying to make this, like, deep personal show, but you're also kind of in conflict with these, like, weird anime tropes and, like, I don't know. It's just, like, it doesn't fit. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, and I think that it's, you're, you're not wrong because I think that it's, 
um, it's it was written episode by episode. And um, I think the thesis of the show changed drastically as it progressed. Um, and as a result, they all of the development of the final kind of themes and ideas had to happen in the back third of the show um, and uh, had to happen with great um, uh, time and budget constraints. And also with, you know, groundwork that had been laid that maybe wasn't the best fit for where it wanted to end up. And um, it's like Lost, except for me, it's the opposite thing where um, I like how Lost started and hated, hated how it ended. Whereas with Evangelion, it's more the opposite. Like, I really like the way it ended and I wish it had started off on that path. Do you think there's any possibility that, like you said, the the... It shifted pretty dramatically. Do you think that possibly originally the creator was would have ended it with instrumentality being a positive thing? And then between his own, you know, uh, breakthroughs as well as the seemingly related terrorist attack, like switches to be completely opposite? Interestingly, um, because this is one of those things that has been, you know, poured over and, and studied to no end. Um, there was there is a document that is out there um, that essentially is the pitch book for the series um, that I think the the creative team kind of, you know, put together and it's full of sketches and s- story outline ideas um, that they then took around to like, you know, look for production funding. And so you can kind of see like there's a lot of like first drafts of some of the monster designs and like. Originally, there were going to be like 29 angels and some of them were from the moon and all of this. Um, And um, Shinji was originally going to be a girl um, and, you know, all these neat things. But I think what you can take away from it is because it kind of outlines the story. And it seems like at that stage, it really looked like it was going to be mostly a standard giant robot anime Mm. like it didn't really there was no real suggestion from that at least as far as i can tell by what other people have said about it i haven't seen this thing myself um it seems like the psychological and philosophical elements were not a big part of it it certainly seems like those were incorporated more and more as this went on um and you can totally see so i don't think it was the plan all along was I'm going to trick you to watch my like weird Freudian like <laughs> uh, psychosexual awakening thing by teasing you with giant robots. I mean, I think those elements were always going to be there, but there's a pretty clear shift. And and yeah, there is some evidence that that wasn't part of the original plan. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, because you could kind of I could, I could see the rough kind of outline there's probably i bet if you like watch it enough times which i'm not going to do um <laughs> yeah that's what i thought but like there's probably you can probably pick an episode where it's like this is the turn yeah and i think it focuses around shinji right like shinji's sad and depressed beginning of the show but there's kind of they kind of go through some of the standard plot beats of like oh i'm the you know down on my luck chosen one I don't want to do it, so I'm going to leave. And then my friends talk me into it or my, you know, my uh, spirit guide, a.k.a. Masato, you know, talks me into it. So I stay and I have some success and I'm going to gain my confidence. And then, you know, and then and then and then and then you end up you're watching, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever insert 
young awakening hero story, right? Mm-hmm. So there's probably a point where probably somewhere between like episodes four and eight, somewhere in that range where it's just like, no, nah, we're not going to do that with this show. Mm-hmm. And like leave Shinji just like, I hate everything. My life's terrible. I'm depressed. Fighting's yeah. terrible. I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, no, I think you probably can reconstruct it and say this is the moment where we decide we're taking a different route here. Um, yeah, there's got to be a point where you veer off the road and, and go a different direction, right? Yeah. Um, Even if it was a gradual decision, you know, to do that, but... Yeah. Or maybe he just fell asleep at the wheel and then he woke up and he's halfway into the fucking woods, just like, oh, God, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was it. I think it was, well, that might have might explain 25 and 26 but um but yeah um it's it's going to be interesting and i think that you know when the final rebuild movie comes out in the spring um i'm very curious to see how they wrap that series up because so far three movies in the emotional and philosophical elements are a lot more uh subplot than plot at this stage right um it's there but the the rebuilds are much more mechanistic and kind of linear and you know shinji's emotions are still like a major driving force in the plot and you know what he's thinking and feeling and how he's reacting to what's going on around him are you know major elements but it's also they're also much clearer good guy bad guy conflicts and um much clearer this happens and then this happens and because that happened this happened kind of a flow um so that i think it'd be good cuz i think you've got this problem where like he's taking a difficult and kind of surreal topic with the philosophy and the personal you know narratives and emotional narratives and then which can be difficult to portray sometimes or deal with. Mm-hmm. And then you're layering that on top of like a pretty bungled mechanistic plot storyline. So like, and they're interconnected as well. So it just makes for this like very doubly confusing situation and like frustrating situation. Yeah. Cause like, it, at least if you can stick by the plot machinations and be like, okay, at least I know what's happening on the ground and I'll figure out what's going on in their heads later. That's okay. But you well, can't do either. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I think it's and maybe a more confident director doesn't need to have um, we don't need to spend a full 20 minutes inside somebody's head, (laughs) having them literally talk it out with us to understand what they're going through. Right. Um, But I'm not necessarily saying that the rebuilds are doing that. Like, I I, want to wait and have judgment for, um, uh, you know, until they're all out. But are the rebuilds generally well received by fans of the series? I think so. Um, I don't know. It's tough to say. I'm not I'm not super plugged into the fan community because I just can't like (laughs) I I read the wikis and stuff just to help, you know, like remind myself what's happening and what has happened. And, you know, um, you know, just to kind of and, you know, whenever I feel like getting a little shot of Evangelion lore. But um, I'm trying not to hear other people's opinions on them. Um, or interpretations of them. Um, but I would say that they're certainly poured over with the same scrutiny. You know, they're not completely, it's not like they're completely disregarded by the fans. It's like, ah, because there are some elements of Evangelion that like the fan community, at least the sections that I 
am part of are kind of like, yeah, that's all just some expanded universe nonsense. Like the various like um, spinoff, like the alternate universe animes and the um, light novels and the there's even a um, uh, like chibi style Evangelion cartoon. Slash <laughs> OK, where, you know, we're like unit one is just like a student in the class with them <laughs> and all three rays are all there at once. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I, I only know that it exists, but that's the sort of stuff that gets like half a wiki page. Yeah. The rebuild continuity is, is definitely considered a major piece of Evangelion. Mm-hmm. Whether people like it or not, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I would think they're hard not to like because they're very well made. Um, they're a lot of fun to watch. Like the action is great. The, the character moments are great. Um, the the way that it like takes the story in completely different directions while still hitting some of the beats you're familiar with is is really well done um so interesting yeah that's like quite a uh I'm trying to think of another example of like a more obviously we've seen reboots of like movies or even like movie trilogies but like I'm trying to think of like a situation where someone's like just tr- com- like and the same person I don't know it's ever happened like <laughs> try to remake the same thing they made before but better take another whack at it in a long form kind of way like yeah that's that's weird it's cool it's like but it's like a weird idea it doesn't it I look forward to it because I think this has potential and I look I'd like to see it done better uh but also great because I'm just like there's one cannon there's one cannon <laughs> well the interesting thing is that. Like, in a lot of ways, you could almost zoom out from, like, so, you know, like, so if you're reading, like, a, like a Wikipedia article about, like, a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you, if you read, like, a very high-level plot synopsis of it, right? And if you zoom out enough and just look at the high points of the plot, at least so far in the, um, in, you know, rebuild versus original, like, there is a level of zoom out you can get to where the plots are the same or the major plot points are the same. Um, but there's a lot of what happens between that plot point and this plot point is a lot different or the context in which this thing happens versus that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because, yeah, there's one point where it just like totally diverges and you're like, OK, now we were in two completely different continuities. But then there are some similar events like, oh, yeah, right. I see how this lines up. Um yeah, but I don't think you're ever going to get to that point where there is just one canon. Yeah. Like, because even even after the first series and movie came out, like, you know, there are all these interviews with Anno saying like, yeah, there is no answer. The whole point is you're supposed to figure this out on your own. There is no final interpretation. There is no like, I'm not going to tell you what this means. There is no guidebook that we're going to put out that explains this. The whole point of this is to figure it out. Um, so if you're hoping that there will be an answer of like, OK, now which timeline is canon? Oh, I don't think he wants to tell you. Sure. Hmm. Well, hmm. Well, look at it this way. How many times have we seen Batman's origin? No, no, no. I I, I get it. I get it. Like, I'm not complaining. I'm just, I'm thinking more about, like, what else I feel about this. What other feelings I'm feeling right now. Are you feeling, are you feeling relief that now you no longer have to watch any more Evangelion? A little bit. Uh, yeah, definitely a little bit. I feel that. I like I am interested in the rebuilds because, like I said, I you know it does have a way of getting in your brain a little bit. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, which isn't great. Your synchronization rate is increasing, Andrew. Oh God damn it! <laughs> um, so that's interesting. I mean, I I'm definitely like it makes me like 
want to watch more anime. Uh-huh. Um, I definitely want to lean towards something that's a little more, like, nitty-gritty and crunchy, like I mentioned last time. Uh-huh. Like, a really crunchy, like, I know there's some Gundams that are, like, very just, like, hard sci-fi, military, you know, that kind of stuff. Politics and, and that kind of thing, which sounds interesting. Um, just because I feel like... It, I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, I was talking to a coworker a little bit about this, um, cause I was saying, oh, we're watching this. And he was like, oh, I have all these thoughts about it. I'm like, okay, well, you can't say too much because he is of the opinion that, uh, the broadcast ending was just like, oh yeah, they just ran out of money and it sucked. And I'm like, okay. Um, it's not crazy. <laughs> it's not crazy. Um, I'm kind of having the same reaction I had to this that I have to like Blade Runner, which is this probably did so many things that were so cool and unique, you know? 25 years ago but being that i've seen everything that's come since then and not not even a lot of anime but just like i've seen enough anime and other things like it's hard to to know what it helped create or what it's critiquing like it it feels without context in some ways yeah and that's troubling for me as a person who relies a lot on that to understand things that's fair that's just like a personal kind of view of it because like i rely very much it's like the historian in me is you got to know the context and you got to know you know like who made it and why and when and what came before and then what came after and what it changed and what it influenced and all the factors that go into that and you know the meta of it whatever that is and like the actual thing itself so uh yeah so i feel like you know because we're talking co-worker i was like oh but the animation i didn't i don't really notice it because like you know we talked a little bit like how the Evas move and like these kind of things, but it did all these things for the first time. And it's like, okay, I don't, I didn't, I don't know that though. Right. You know, right. like, so that makes it a little more difficult and probably lessens my overall enjoyment. But yeah, I um, can see that. This was a fun project though. It was a challenging project. Yeah. Um, which is good though. Challenging is good. I like challenging. Uh, I also like that there's not, it's helpful. It makes me feel better that it isn't just like that people are still talking about it and still confusing. Cause if it was just like, oh, well, it's just, xyz idiot i'd be like all right fine like i'm just a dummy i guess but uh yeah no and i think that's one of the great things about this show is that there is no like definitive interpretation and that even after 25 years there you know there is no like nope that's it it's this is this is what happened this is the like again lost you know this is this is the ending like it or not that's what it meant and and you know we're moving on. Um, the fact that, yeah, like you know, people are still spending 50 minutes on YouTube trying to make sense of all of this um, is, is great because I mean, it, it, and I think this, this is, it's making you think about interesting things. It's making, it makes you think about the psychological and philosophical concepts in it. It makes you think about um, the weird religious imagery. And if, that meant anything or not and it makes you think about whether or not this is some form of the author commenting on his audience like and whether where you fall on that question isn't as important as the fact that this is a show that makes you think about those sorts of things and that's those are cool things to think about now this is a hypothetical and i'm not Uh saying i think this okay and it's got it's a two-part question the first part so this is the general question is do you think that there's any possibility that something that this in particular, in the second level is sort of, or this in general, where something is, takes on a life of its own and becomes so overanalyzed and like excessively analyzed because it's, because it's so opaque 
And, you know, it's got all these little, like, secrets and interpretations and things. But do you ever wonder if it's just like, no, it's just bad. Yeah. Like, it's just like, and because some people got obsessed about it, back to sort of the otaku culture time, like, that it became this, took on a life of its own, and then managed to let this, I mean, I don't know what the relative success of this was at the time it was, you know, premiering and coming out in the mid-90s, but, um, do you get what I'm saying? Like, that's just like, are you, the, like, weirdness of it and the the questions surrounding the controversy around it breathes more life in it than it deserves i'm not saying i feel that way i'm just questioning are you trying to turn this into a podcast about joker no (laughs) no i would never something that maybe is just bad um (laughs) not sure if bad if 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 complex or bad um like there's but no there's plenty of things in a bucket we know are just bad and they're not interesting you know, I think there are elements of Evangelion which you can point to and you can say these are executional errors. You should have done this better. You did this bad, you know, and, and the overall thrust of the work was compromised as a result. Um, do I think that Evangelion has been overanalyzed? No, because I think that the point of Evangelion is to be analyzed. Um, I think that it is... The point is it wants you to think about some subjects that anime, especially mecha anime, does not generally ask you to think about. It intentionally does not provide obvious answers or an obvious point of view on things. I mean, yeah, you can infer certain, you know, I mean, obviously it is saying that, you know, um, connecting with people, even when that is painful, is the desirable outcome. Um, uh and I think it does have some things to say poorly about patriarchy. And I think it has some things to say poorly about expectations put on children. But like in terms of what does it mean? What is it trying to say? It wants you to ask the questions and the act of inspiring the conversation is more important to the creator, I think, than giving you an answer to the bigger questions. So I don't think it can be overanalyzed because I think it it's not a puzzle to solve, right? It's a, it, it, it's just a thing to think about, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, whereas other, you know, it's not a mystery show where you're just trying to figure out who the killer was and there is an answer somewhere. We just have to figure it out. Like, I, I don't think that's what they're, what they were trying to achieve. I think they wanted something that was just going to be puzzled over and discussed. Um, and, uh, and I think that's what they got. Are there other things that are just, are just bad enough that people search for meaning in them that is not there? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think this is one of those. Can you think of any examples off the top of your head? Um, a recent Joaquin Phoenix movie for one. <laughs> you haven't um, seen it yet. You don't know. Uh, yeah, no, I've seen it yet. Oh, you unsaw it? Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, Do I need to go see it? If you want. Oh, shit. Um, we can we can we can talk more about that. Um, anyway, no, are things that I think that are just are just you know bad and people search for meaning in them that is not there. Um, I I would say that some of the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies are a lot clearer about what they're trying to talk about than people think. I think those have been overanalyzed a little much and i think that they don't have there's not as much there there as people think um i would also say the matrix movies especially 
Matrix 2 and 3 um, are assumed to have a lot more going on under the hood than they actually do. I think those are the sorts of things that are pretending to be high-minded and want to bring about conversation, but at the end of the day, don't really have anything interesting to mm. have conversation about. That's a good That's a good point. Uh, is there, that's a good example of the Matrix movies, because you leave those movies feeling like, did I miss something? Am I not getting, you know, like you're, you ask those questions, like, am I not seeing the bigger picture here? Is that why it doesn't make any sense to me? And it's like, no, it's just bad. Like, right. It, um, it just, the, the, yeah. there, there's nothing underneath it that it's trying to get to. Um, also, yeah, again, Christopher Nolan is very good at this of it's, it, it gives the illusion of depth, but it's not really there. Yeah. Not to say those movies are inherently bad. I just think that, um, I don't think they're as deep as people want them to be. Right. Like, I think there's been this, he's a good example because there's been this sort of like recent, I don't call it backlash, but just like he was on top of the world with his movies, you know? Yeah. And I think people started to, like you said, see through it a little bit and realize like, "Mm, they're a little thin when it comes to this kind of stuff. Right. I think that every movie I've seen that he's made in recent times, I've really liked. Yes. As a movie, you know, do I think there's like, deep meaning about the life in the universe in it like no not really like they're just like interesting well-made beautifully filmed whatever movies um with like interestingly interesting enough plot lines whatever uh that's a good it's a good example i i always say about this way this is a little bit different but i was i think i mentioned this before on the podcast but like i find that american psycho is a movie like that for me and i know there is (laughs) depth there to it with some things but like uh, there's a lot of scenes that you know are very like critical of just like you know 80s American capitalism, which is fine. But, like, there are some very specific scenes to do that, and then people try to extrapolate that out into the rest of the whole movie. I'm just like, mm, I'm not sure this movie's actually any... And, like, the twist <laughs> at the end, quote-unquote twist, and, like, was it all in his head? We're not, like, that generates so much buzz and so much, like, you know, like, trying to find depth. I'm just like, are you sure this movie's not just, like, about a weirdo running around hacking people up? Like, I don't see it, right? And it was mm-hmm. a book, and, it's di- and that's different. But, like, that's an example that I think of when I think of this sort of thing. Right, where it's... And and maybe there's something meta there about American Psycho because kind of that's all about the, you know, the mask of sanity. And, um, you know, the character of Patrick Bateman himself is this supposed to be this incredibly shallow nothing that's just an illusion of depth. And then the movie itself is kind of like that. But that might also just have been accidental. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's hard to <laughs> tell. This kind of accidental rhyming with the with the overall theme. Uh, yeah. I, I sometimes extrapolate that out to like a lot of like a lot of critique, you know, critical critique for in like the official way, like even thinking of things as far as like academic critique of stuff. You know, when you think of things that, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that these are in these categories of like things that don't deserve critique or like, you know, are, are of interest. But like, you know, think of like classic literature, or like Shakespeare, things like this. And it's just like sometimes it's just like it's like, is any of it that, deep? you know, I'm like, it's like do people just like have way too much time on their hands. You know, I, it's always something I've, I've been curious about, but uh, I'm not suggesting that's the case. I think that there's no I mean, I, I think that it's I think I think anything you can look at and I think there's. Yes. I mean, stare long enough at anything and you can see multitudes in it. You know, it's, um, you know, gaze long enough into the abyss and the abyss gazes back. Um, But eventually you just start, I think with it, with critical things and interpretive things, you can get to a point where you're just sort of, you're kind of reading your own ideas into something that weren't Mm -hmm. necessarily there. And I mean, you can, you can totally see this with some of the over analysis of certain things, you know, 
Um, the the Star Wars prequels are are a classic example of like you see these like prequel apologists talking about these like um, ancient cyclical storytelling techniques and like oh this is actually using some ancient like um, Greek method where this the story is actually told in reverse and if you map it out on this star diagram it actually makes all the sense in the world and like it's, it's like <laughs> like I, that's out there you can find that and it's like okay. No, like now we're we're going too far. But I think it's I, I, I think there's an agreeable level of analysis on anything where you can say, I don't think that's supported enough in the text. Sure. And you can say, I think maybe we're, you know, we're, we're grasping here. <laughs> right. We're you know, we're we're reading too much into it. We're adding too much. We're making too many assumptions, maybe. Um, but I don't think any of the analysis of well, not any. But the the general level of analysis around Evangelion, I think, is not, you know, I think I think is pretty solid. Oh, I found another good example. Uh-huh. This is an example of what we referenced in the previous episode, but you guessed and you're wrong, but you're guessing right now it's King Killer Chronicle. Where everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's going to be this, like, crazy meta thing. I'm like, mm, I don't think it is, boys. Like, you're going to be, mis- like, pretty mistaken about that, yeah. I think. Like, Or if it is, it's doing a really bad job of it. Right, right. <laughs> It's, it has not been laying the groundwork for its grand reveal. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, There's a big digression there, but no, I mean, these kind of things are interesting. Uh, I sometimes wonder, like, similarly, not to continue the digression, but like what people decide to, I don't know, like you, you take, you said you can stare at anything enough. What, what determines what's worthy of staring on initial, <laughs> like, even just for initial interests? Like I was thinking about, you know, today I was thinking about um, Disney Plus, the this big tweet marketing campaign where they tweeted every single thing that's going to be on Disney Plus when it launches, which spoiler, it's a fucking ton of stuff. It's it's almost everything. Yeah, it's like just like everything. And it got me thinking about and some of the things that were on there were some of the like 90s Marvel television shows like um, like cartoons, mm-hmm. of which we know the, the ones that a lot of us with Rose very rose-tinted glasses hold on high like the x-men cartoon or the spider-man oofa, cartoon oofa. but there's also those other ones like the silver surfer cartoon the iron man cartoon there's a fantastic four show a hulk show like all these shows that like maybe run for like a season or two and then drop and it's just like what are the odds that any of those have something deep or valuable I don't pretty, know. pretty slim pretty slim because <laughs> they're kids shows made for kids but some people someone look at this and be like first glance be like oh this is a dumb show made for kids you know what i mean I, I don't know like how do you decide what's worth really digging into and staring at long enough to find something i don't know i mean i think i think there are ways that um the text is gonna invite you to analyze it mm-hmm. it's gonna it's, it's going to either explicitly or implicitly tell you there's more going on here than the surface action right like you know evangelion does that you know by very obviously starting to take turns we're like hey we're not going to do a whole lot of robot battles for a while we're really going to focus on what's going on inside our characters heads or going even further like we're going to start splicing in real world footage here big sign big flashy neon sign that says hey we are asking you to think about this in broader broader terms now (laughs) um whereas you know um something that never does that you know like so i think there are those obvious invitations and then i think there are other um less obvious invitations and i think this is maybe one of the reasons that like nolan movies sometimes get overanalyzed is just there might be certain elements of 
filmmaking and, you know, like Nolan has a style of shooting where things seem very important and kind of laden with symbolism, right? Mm-hmm. There's just, a, there's something about his, his, his style that everything seems very weighty um, and very rich with detail and implication um, that makes you want to dig in deeper. If even, but then you might find out like, oh, this is just, it's just a way of, it's just a way of making movies that makes everything seem important and multi-layered. And, you know, it's not. Um, so, yeah, I think there's explicit ways, implicit ways of telling you um, you need to start thinking about this in a different way. Um, I don't think you're going to find any of that in the original Iron Man cartoon. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but I, I, I think that, sh- that that show is very explicitly trying to tell you one and only one thing, which is buy Iron Man toys. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. So grab a question for you. Uh huh. Are you gonna are you gonna give even Galen a rest for a little bit, or are you gonna just like jump back in and keep keep going, keep digging deeper? Um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm at a point where I'm kind of like, oh, what do I want to do next? What do I want to like, you know, what do I just want to put on in the background of when I'm gonna be folding laundry tonight? And it's like. I started on Netflix Sabrina, but I'm also feeling like Evangelion feels about right. Um, I think I'm going to have to give it a rest because um, at least try to give it a rest until we're getting closer to the release of the fourth rebuild. Um, And I really need to I I really need to take my brain somewhere else. I've been my synchronization rate is way too high on this shit. Are you going to turn to goop soon? dude? I am totally going to goop out. (laughs) Oh. I'm going to turn into goop any minute now. It's, 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 it's not going to be pretty. Um, but no, I'm going to try to move on to other things. We'll see how successful I can be. Well, I'll still be here for you. <laughs> I mean, Even I'm, if heading, you- I'm heading into the, to the holiday season and you know, all of the, everything that brings with it. I need my AT field to be strong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Eva makes your AT feel AT straight. Eh, AT field strong. No, it makes it weaker, man. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Wants to turn you into goop, man. It's exactly, it's going to goop me, and I need to not be gooped. The goop scenes are pretty gross, by the way. Yeah, yeah. They'll just, they'll just goop. That's like pop. And yeah. Like, most of them pop, but the, the, the Sila guy melted, and I was like, Yeah, Why? it's weird. It's it's like, it's kind of like, man, make up your mind on this, but yeah. whatever. And he, he was like, you know, soliloquizing and, and like, you know, and like crying and like so happy to be joining instrumentality, and just like turns to goop, and I'm like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, well, we did it. We did uh, it. We watched Evangelion. I'm proud of us. I am too. We survived. I mean, you've done this a bunch of times beforehand, so not that I know, proud but I but I've never I've never <laughs> I've never had anyone, you know, holding my hand through it. I've just uh-huh. and 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 honestly, this has forced me to pay attention to the show in a way that I have I've never done before. Gotcha. That makes so, sense. So, um because before it would just be like, ah, eh, oh, the first time I was like, oh, this is the thing that everybody's like, this is required viewing. Like, okay, I'll watch this. And then, um, and then later it was like, I don't feel like I was like paying close enough attention to that the first time. So I watched it again and, you know, and ooh, now it's on Netflix. Okay. Um, but like, you know, this has forced me to like, because I have to talk about it, like to watch it and think about it and make sense of it. So this has been a very valuable experience for me. Yeah. Uh, I'll be curious if any of our loyal realtors um, list like watched along with us and now just ended as well. Uh, if you have any feedback, 
if you want to like curse Greg's, you know, existence for making you sit through this, or you have contrary opinions about the meaning of the show and instrumentality <laughs> and whether turning to goop is gross or beautiful, uh, you can feel free to leave those on the website. Yes. Realityalternative.space. Space. Uh, Greg's child website, completely dedicated to Evangelion uh, fan fiction, is soon to follow. It's not fan fiction, man. It's 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 my theories. Theories. My theories. My grand yeah. unified theory of Evangelion. First. I don't want to read that. No, I don't want to um. write it. <laughs> Cool. So I guess we'll be moving on to your regular scheduled programming. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to have to talk about other shit now. Good God. Hopefully not Joker. Where do we go from here? We're lost without without Shinji. Shinji. Shinji, help. Oh, God. All right. All right, buddy. So we will uh, we'll figure out what to do next, and, th- and then we'll do it. Yep, we'll do it. Later.